Welcome into the show. It is Daniel Wortman coming to you live from the Dream Imaginate Sports Studios. It is Monday, August the 26th. We are back and um, we are excited to be here. Um, it's been long overdue, but uh, we are excited to, uh, to be here and be back after an extended break. We weren't planning on being uh, gone that long. Uh, matter of fact, we weren't planning on being gone at all, but um, that's just part of it. Uh, you run into issues sometimes when you are heading overseas, and um, and so that was one that we ran into, and um, it you know it is what it is. And when, when you get there, and and you have all these plans, um, you have some guests cancel, and then you're trying to shuffle things around, and you're moving from country to country. Uh, it, it was, uh, it was an, a crazy trip. It was a fantastic trip. It was an amazing trip when it comes to the show. Um, you know, when your when your audio console goes up in smoke, um, looking like, uh, I don't, I don't know if you've ever been to a concert or a club and you see the, the fog machine go off, the smoke machine go off. Well, that's what it looked like, except it was all coming out of the audio console. Just white smoke everywhere. It was a complete, total, and epic disaster. Fortunately, most of the other gear was fine, but that pretty much grounded the show. We were still able to, to shoot some interviews um, with, with phones and cameras and, and such, but not able to conduct the show without having that desk. Uh, that's kind of the centerpiece uh, hub of the show. And so we were not able to do to, to continue that. And uh, so we had to ship most of the gear back to the States, um, finish out the trip, and, uh, and then regroup once we got back. And uh, we are launching today officially the fall season of the show. We have a lot of changes that are coming up very soon. A lot of changes. And uh, we are excited about those. Those will be rolling out over the next few weeks. Some later this week. Um, and uh, we are excited to share some of those with you. And, and, and I think it's going to be um, really good for the show. And hopefully uh, you'll enjoy them. They'll they'll be good for you as well. Um, it is it, it was a great trip. Uh, I, I talked about uh, the the audio console going up in smoke. Um, my my wife um, enjoyed that the audio console went up in smoke, uh, not because we had to to replace it but because that meant that she wasn't uh wasn't having to worry daily about working her schedule around the show um and, and so um you know i'm i still haven't finished the investigation as to whether there was some sabotage involved or not um and and and, and did she actually like pour grease down the uh the 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 different ports and try to blow it up. Uh, we'll never know. Uh, I, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, but she was, she was happy to have a little bit of a downtime with, with the show and, and being able to, to get out and see a lot of Europe. And, and we did, and we're going to, we're going to share a lot this week. Uh, most of this week are going to be interviews, going to be some videos that we shot while we were there. 
some pictures that we're going to be sharing from the trip uh, and uh, met some really, really great people. And, uh, you know, fortunately, we're going to be able to share some of those interviews this week as well. Uh, reconnected with some friends uh, and, and got them uh, on video as well. And, and, and we were able to get up to uh, FC Helsingor, the, the club that uh, is now owned by an American, Jordan Gardner. Um, and we were able to get up there in Denmark and do some interviews with some of their players after uh, one of their uh, preseason um, friendlies that we were able to uh, to take in. And uh, we talked to uh, a young American player that just signed for them, as well as a young Canadian. And uh, so we look forward to sharing those uh, interviews as well. Um, and uh, in, in so throughout this trip, we were able to see a lot. We were able to do a lot. We were able to, to get a lot of uh, content and meet a lot of great people. And, uh, and, and we, we are excited to be sharing those uh, interviews and that content with you uh, over these next few days. And, um, and then in, in weeks in terms of, uh, you know, changes come to the show itself. So, um, you know, be patient. Uh, we have a lot to roll out. We're still working out some kinks uh, in in with, with some of the new gear, um, and uh, you know some upgrades. Still learning some things, but we uh, we are excited um, to to be launching the fall season of the show today, and um, and that 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 you know was not something we had set and, and planned before we went to Europe, but uh, sometimes you have to you have to call an audible and uh, just have to, to make a decision. And, and, and football, soccer is a game uh, that is all about, you know, the players on the field making choices. They make the decisions. We can guide them. We can try to put them in the right positions uh, to succeed. But ultimately, ultimately, the decisions are made by the players on the field. And, and sometimes in the moment, you you got to make a choice and and go with it. And, 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 um, and it may not be the choice you were planning for. And uh, that was certainly the case uh, with the audio console. We were not expecting at all for the... Uh, for that to be the the device that went down, um, and the strange thing about that day was, you know, we were setting up. We we ha- we had people coming over for an interview and had everything already connected. Everything was plugged up. The cameras were live. Everything was ready, and we were plugging in the audio console, the last piece to bring it up and and do a mic check. And uh, within seconds of plugging it in, something in in the voltage between the the audio console and the uh, electricity um that we were uh connected to there in Denmark didn't like each other and um let's just say that the uh the audio console lost that battle and um didn't didn't make it back across the sea and uh and that was that so um you know it is what it is but it was a great trip uh, and we really do look forward later this week sharing uh, content and and uh, videos, interviews, etc. Uh, with you, um, it was great. It, it really was a great trip. Um, we were we were in Amsterdam, we were in Paris, we were in Liverpool, we were in London, Copenhagen, Malmo, um, and Barcelona. So um, we we got around quite a bit in uh, in twenty three days, 
and enjoyed it. I did not want to come home. I told my wife, I warned my wife, I told my family before we left to go over um, that your your hardest job is going to be uh, on August 6th, that was the day we flew back, to get me on the plane to come back to the United States because I was not going to want to come. I knew that going into the trip, and it, it was true um, on August 6th. Uh, I did not want to come home. I love it over there. And uh, I love it over there for a variety of reasons. Um, and, and, and we're going to talk about some of that uh, after the break. W- what I saw over there in Europe versus what we are seeing here. And, um, and, and that's where we're going to pick up uh, in just a few moments. Our sponsor this half hour is Dut Kick Brand. And uh, we are... Um, Really, really, really big fans of their work, and uh, you should check them out if you haven't already. Um, matter of fact, just a, a real quick story before we go to break. Um, recently, my one of my sons was uh, at a at a game with his team, and they were supposed to be taking notes uh, in a, in. Um, observations of what they were watching and it was a college preseason game and so he's there with his team and his coach and um and and all the kids were supposed to bring a notebook to take notes so they 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 bring scraps of paper and you know a notepad whatever and Jaden pulls out his um duckick brand um notebook and and starts to jot some notes or whatever and the and and the rest of the players like what is that and and uh, we're amazed that he had you know soccer fields are already pre-drawn on his notebook and he was able to take notes and he was able to draw patterns and and identify things he was seeing and 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 it really brought it to life for for some of his fellow teammates as well. So, look, these tools and resources are worth it. You should check them out and uh, and 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 buy some stuff for yourself if you're a coach or uh, if you're a parent for your kids. Um, they come in handy, and they even have waterproof versions. And uh, if you live in the South right now, um, you need some waterproof versions because uh, there's seems like it's raining each and every single day and uh, that notebook is going to handle that a lot better um, when you're when you're taking the waterproof version out to the field so uh, learn more about them and and uh, and and get their resources at their website and uh, you can learn more about them by checking this out
Welcome back into the show. Thanks for tuning in this Monday, August the 26th. This is Daniel Wortman coming to you live from the Dream Edge Sports Studios. Uh, thanks for tuning in. We are kicking off our fall season, and um, we are going to be sharing interviews um, starting tomorrow that we took while we were in Europe. And, uh, you know, for anyone paying attention, we've not been able to do this show Um Starting while we were in Europe, because the audio console that is the centerpiece of this whole rig uh, of our of our production studio went up in smoke, and um, so yeah, that wasn't good, and <laughs> and and so uh, because of that, uh, w- the show's been down, and and so we just kind of regrouped and and started uh, planning for launching a a fall season of the show, and that kicks off today. And uh, so we're going to be sharing uh, some interviews uh, that we took while we were in Europe uh, and uh, and those begin tomorrow. We'll be sharing some other content over the next few weeks and changes to the show, etc. that we are, are doing. One of those changes, if you are watching this live, is the fact that we are or we have a new start time, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time instead of our previous time of 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And uh, we're still at one hour right now, but we're doing that in advance of being able to expand band to, uh, to, to longer time slots and more segments. So, um, we, we are excited about, uh, all those aspects and, uh, and changes to the show things coming up. So, um, so, so back to this, this, this whole aspect of, of Europe versus, you know, uh, what we're seeing here in the U S um, you know, when you, if, if you've never been to Europe, it's, uh, it's hard to explain um, everything uh, because there's just so much to take in. Um, and I've been to Europe several times uh, previous to this trip. And I try to, I try to explain it in terms that Americans understand. If you, if you live in the South, for example, college football is king uh, more than any, uh, other sport more than than um, any other region in this country like college football is is just dominates life 365 days a year if you live in the state of Alabama for example the conversation surrounding Alabama football and Auburn football is a 365 day a year deal even though the football season is only taking place in the fall, it is all year uh, in in, Al- in, a, in a state like Alabama, and it's that way across the South. Uh, it's no accident that uh, the resources that have been put in to the SEC and college football and um, their the stadiums and the upgrades and the coaching staffs and all of those aspects um, and. And, and that that's because it's important here in the South and, and being uh, in this area means that, that you live it, you breathe it. It's part of everyday life. You, you, you go to the store, you're, you're not going to walk through a store without seeing, you know, uh, if, if you're in the state of Alabama, for example, an Alabama shirt or an Auburn shirt or a hat so on and so forth. Uh, and, and you'll find that in every state. You go into to Louisiana, you're going to see a bunch of purple and gold. Uh, and, and, and that repeats itself all over the South. That is the culture. That kind of culture is what we're talking about when we talk about the global game of football. 
when we talk about soccer, as we call it in the U.S., when you are in Europe, you see it everywhere. Uh, there are stores throughout the cities. You see people in jerseys. Um, you know, you go into a a store and you're finding, you know, uh, when you're in Amsterdam, for example, you're going to find Ajax uh, shirts and, and hats and other souvenirs all over the city. Um, and people are wearing them. It's part of their life. It's part of the culture. Uh, you, you, you can't escape it. And, um, and in the conversation, the media, the television shows, all of this is very similar to what you experience in America when it comes to college football. You are inundated with the game. It is, it is, it is important to everyday life. There's pride taken in, uh, in a club like Ajax, for example. Uh, and, and if you're in Amsterdam and you're an Ajax supporter, you're proud. And, and, and it's the same pride that you'll see in Georgia when you have a Georgia Bulldog uh, fan walking around, you know, with a, a Georgia shirt or a hat, for example. And, and that is just part of that culture. And, uh, and you see that everywhere you go in Paris, same thing you're seeing, uh, you know, PSG and, and you're, and you're, you, you feel that, uh, and, and we, uh, we're in Liverpool, same thing. You feel that, um, one of the, one of the funny things about Liverpool is we, we, we <clears throat> Liverpool's my second favorite team. I'm Barcelona fan first and foremost. And, uh, but, but we, we go and go to Liverpool, we tour Anfield and, um, the renovation they did on the stadium is just amazing. It was really, really nice. And, um, uh, and, and so we're going through and they have uh, a spot where you can look out a window and and you can see Everton's stadium. It's it's a mile away and uh, and and you can see their grounds. And it's it, it's I mean, you feel like you can just kind of reach out the window and touch the stadium. It's so close. Um, and, uh, while we were in Europe, they actually, Everton actually announced that their, their plans to build a new stadium in a different location, uh, and, and it'd be further away, but, but for now it's right there. And, uh, so we, we finished the tour and we get done. And I, I said to my wife, I'm like, look, it's, it's a mile uh, walk from here. We would be dumb not to walk the mile over there and, and at least, you know, get a closer look at it, uh, maybe not take a stadium tour, but at least get a, a, take a closer look. And so we, we did, we made our way over there. It was a nice little walk. And when I travel, uh, my, my brother-in-law collects soccer scarves, football scarves. And so I always kind of try to pick him up one wherever we're going. And I'd already gotten him one from Anfield. So it's like, you know, it kind of makes sense for me to pick him one up from the Everton store as well, you know, and it kind of, you've got these two clubs and they're so close together and, and uh, you know, such history within the city. And, uh, and so we go into the store and the Everton store is tiny compared to the Liverpool store. The Liverpool, the Liverpool store was like two stories tall, uh, big, lots of room, a lot of people hustle, bustle, get to the Everton store and it was like a quarter of the size of the Liverpool store. One story, 
um, if you blink, you missed it. I mean, it was just real tiny. And, uh, and I go and I find a scarf. Um, and that's the only thing we're going to buy there. <laughs> we're, we were, we were certainly not going to spend any other money, uh, supporting Everton. And, uh, so I get in line, I go to check out and, uh, I talked to the, the girl that was uh, checking me out and, um, and I was asking her about the club and, all that and she was like well actually i'm a liverpool supporter and i was like and you work at the everton club store and she's like well it's just closer to my house so i just work here but no i'm a red and it was it was funny uh but that kind of culture is is what what we experience in the u.s when it comes to you know a college football in the south for example you know you're a bama fan you're an auburn fan um, you're Duke, you're North Carolina, um, you're Ole Miss, you're Mississippi State, you're Florida, Miami, Florida State. You you see this kind of you know identification with your team, and you feel that in a city like Liverpool, um, where where there is these two main clubs that battle it out. Liverpool, the bigger of the two clubs. But Everton traditionally uh, has has you know been a club that has not been um, completely overshadowed. They've had their moments, and um, you know when when you see that and you talk to people on the ground and you walk through the city and you listen to the conversations and you observe and you have your own conversations with people you start to get this feeling, this culture, you, you start to see how much they live it. They breathe it. They're, they're talking about it. We had a cab driver in Liverpool that um, he, he's a, he's an Everton supporter. He's a blue, but his wife's a red and all of his kids are red. And, um, and so, you know, Derby days are, um, are a little tough around the house uh, for him most of the time because uh, Liverpool's uh, usually coming out on top and and uh, but he 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 was just talking about you know how great this Liverpool team is and how tough it is to go up against them and in 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 how you know uh, being an Evertonian you know it, it's a struggle right now they they've just not been up to par uh, to be able to compete on that level. Uh, with Liverpool and you hear that kind of thing and, 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 and you hear the emotion and, and the, the decades of following this, this club and, um, and, and then, and the experiences of his kids and, and, and their support for the Reds and, and you, you, you get another glimpse of how tangible the game is, how much you feel it. Uh, you can touch it. You can see see it. You can feel it. You can hear it uh, throughout throughout Europe, wherever you go. In London, same thing. You you go uh, and and we we went and checked out uh, Stamford Bridge and uh, and Chelsea, and then and then made our way the a short distance away, about a mile and a half uh, away from Stamford Bridge, and we go to Fulham and uh and check out this club and and uh talk talk to to some of the the guys working in their shop um which you know if everton was a quarter of the size of liverpool 
Fulham shop was a quarter of the size of Everton shop. Okay. I mean, this thing was tiny. Um, and uh, it's in the historic and it's and it's got historical preservation uh on on this part of the stands so they there's there's not a lot they can do with that part that faces the road it's the oldest um standing um stadium ground or or piece of a stadium ground uh in the football league um and um it's 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 protected and so any any work they do, they have to do basically on the other three pieces, other sides, the ends or the other other side closest to the river, to to modernize the stadium. That side basically has to be just preserved and um, almost almost like a museum, basically. And uh, and so talking to them in the store and their hopes after just being relegated of getting back to the Premier League and 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 their optimism towards, you know, um, having a good season this year and, and, and making their way back. Um, you know, in, in, in the U S when we talk about promotion and we talk about relegation and the system that is used around the world, you'll, you'll hear these dramatic, you know, um, uh, cries of you know well relegation is the end of the world and these clubs would just die and this blah 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 and it's not fair to billionaires to actually have to try to win oh wah 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 you know and all this stuff and yet you walk into a club and you've got you've got these guys working at a club who were just relegated and um, and you hear optimism you hear hope and you 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 hear them talk about this desire to make it back and that everybody at the club is is trying to get them back to the premier league and it's it's this all hands on deck mentality and um you realize in those moments that um that promotion and relegation is it's just part of life it's just part of the system they wouldn't change it. They wouldn't trade it because it gives them access to the top, but they also understand the downsides and that is getting relegated. But it, at the same time, they realize it's because they didn't perform. And, and that performance may have to do with decisions in the front office. It may have to do with decisions in, in leadership in terms of coaching and managing. It may have to do with decisions of, you know, the players themselves, the players just may not have, uh, have performed, uh, for whatever reason, you got to figure that out. And, it, and, and so it's a constant search for improvement, for excellence, for getting better. And, and these guys in the store, you know, were just talking about this over and over again. And, and I couldn't help but listen to it and, and to think, you know, that's one element that's just severely lacking here in the U S we don't have this this constant need for improvement and that's at major league soccer that's usl that's that's youth soccer it doesn't matter what level of soccer you're playing what age of soccer you're playing there is no motivation built in intrinsic motivation built into the system that requires a, an organization to get better you are where you are you buy your way there, but it really doesn't matter what you do once you get there. So 
you know, you, you try to look really hot for a date and you try to catch the attention, you know, of that girl or that guy and, and, and you try to woo them and you try to win them over. And once you walk them down the aisle and you get married, then it's like, whew, I can relax. I don't have to do anything else. I got them. We're married. I can just sit on the couch and eat potato chips and drink soda all day and I'm good. And that's basically what has happened with our system. And, um, and so listening to those conversations all throughout this trip with different people, clubs, you know, FC Helsinger, um, you know, suffering a relegation last season, their, their optimism and hope for getting back to the next level to go from the second division up to the first division and, and setting their sights on the Superliga they're in Denmark, um, you know, and then and then following their journey so far with the Danish league kicking off and, and, you know, they are having a successful start to their season, which is building on that hope and optimism of, of the club and, um, you know, all the, 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 the people that are working day to day trying to make that stuff uh, happen. Uh, guys like Matt Barnes and the players that they've brought in from the U.S. and Canada and, 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 and the players that they found over in Europe uh, and, and in Denmark, you know, to try to put together a squad that can compete and win their way back up and the importance of winning their way back up. You, you, you feel that. It is built into the system, whether you are in Denmark, England, whether you're in Spain or the Netherlands or France, Portugal, it doesn't matter. There is a, a, a need built into the system that requires you to perform and to perform at a level um, that, is, that, that is commiserate to success or excellence, at least a, a, a level of success or excellence that can keep you at whatever level you are at. So if you are in the Premier League, like the, the main basic uh, requirement is that you, you've got to stay up, right? That's the first thing they talk about. We've got to stay up. Then after that, it's, okay, what's the next goal? The next goal making it into, say, the top half of the table. And then the next goal may be making it into European competition, then making it into the Champions League, and then winning the league, right? All of these things are stacking up. So even inside the league, there are all these goals that people are are moving towards, they're trying to build towards, they're trying to get to a place uh, where they are sustainable in a league. And I think about a club like Burnmouth, uh, and um, when they were first promoted and, and coming up from the championship, their stadium did not meet Premier League specifications in terms of size. They were about 500,000 seats short. They weren't that far off. And the way the rules are written, um, they're written to not create financial hardships on clubs, uh, promotion, or relegation. So all that is kept in mind. So instead of requiring them to enter the league, they had to go and build all this infrastructure with, with the understanding that at the end of that first season, if they got relegated, they're back down in the championship where they far exceeded the requirements for the championship. The way the rules are written is, is by the end of your second year in the league, 
you have to meet these these requirements. So the club decided, their manager decided that let's not put the money that we have, we have it, but let's not put that money right now into the stadium. Let's put it into the players. Let's go get some players to add to our core group so we can stay in the league. Let's make this a two, three, four, five-year proposition, not a one-year proposition. So the club decided to back his idea. One of the other aspects of his idea was the fact that he wanted to be able to keep the away fans away from the goals. You see, his, his, his ground, his stadium was was really small in, in, in comparison to Premier League grounds. And so the requirement of the fans, the away fans, having a percentage of the seats meant that in their stadium, they could keep those away fans up tucked in a corner. But if they were to expand with their stadium plan and the way that they were going to expand, the away fans were going to, to, to going to be behind one of the goals or at least behind part of one of the goals. And he felt like it'd be a better advantage for him and his club and his players to keep those fans tucked away, put the money into the players, keep the fans away. And let's, let's, let's give ourselves the best shot we can to stay up. And it proved to be successful. By the end of their second year, the stadium renovations were done, and they are still in the Premier League. And that kind of thinking, that kind of mentality of always looking for ways to improve, thinking outside of the box, welcoming those ideas. The rules are written for people who are goal-oriented, driven for success, ambition, The system is based on merit. What you do on the field matters. And you see this play out in every league in Europe, in every league in South America, around the world. It's about merit. Even communist countries have sporting merit. But the United States has a closed system where its top league is in bed with the Federation. It does not have an open market. The U.S. prides itself on being this bastion of a free economy, open economy. Chase the American dream unless you're in sports. If you're in sports, you got to pay a gatekeeper. You got to look really hot for your date. You got to woo them. You got to try to impress them so you can get hitched. So you can walk down the aisle and get celebrated as the newest franchise of Major League Soccer. But once you're there, you can just sit on the couch, eat potato chips, and drink soda. You don't have to get better, you don't have to try to improve. And you certainly don't have to pay. You have a lot of players in this league making less than $100,000 a year. We don't take the game serious in this country. And it's clear. When you were in Europe, 
when you see these clubs and you talk to these people, it's a way of life. It's a culture. We have that in America and other sports. We don't have that in soccer. And our system is preventing it from happening. It's not growing the game. It's hurting the game. That has to change. The only way forward is to open it up. Open the market up. Let anyone compete. And that goes on the men's side. And it goes on the women's side. It goes on the youth side. Everything should be based on sporting merit. We have kids driving in cars hours upon hours. That's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. We should be looking at ways to lowering the costs. We should be looking at ways to make it more accessible. We have clubs that are right next to each other that won't play each other. Won't be in a league together because we're U.S. youth or you're your U.S. club or you're this or you're that. It's ridiculous. We've got to get to a place where the leadership throughout all levels of American soccer do what's best for the game and not their own agenda. Until we get to that place, we are never, ever going to realize our full potential. We're never, ever going to achieve what we could achieve as a country from top to bottom. Going to Europe, and I I wish everyone could find a way to go and visit You go to Europe and you go to a match, you feel the difference. You experience the difference. You'll come back to the U.S. and you'll realize something's off. Something's missing. Yeah, it's the same game, but it's really not. And what you feel in that, that space, what you feel in that difference is the system. You can actually feel the difference in the system. And we're going we're gonna to talk about that in just a minute after this break. Uh, our sponsor um, for this half hour is Charity Water. You can learn more about Charity Water by visiting charitywater.org. They provide clean drinking water to people all over the world. They are changing lives. They are changing villages, cities, countries. You can be a part of that story by going to charitywater.org. We'll be right back after this. No one, no man, no woman, no child should ever have to drink green water with bugs, with algae, with disease in it. water and a lack of toilets kills more people than all the wars in the world we know how to bring clean drinking water right now to every single person on earth and when you can bring water into communities it truly 
transforms them. It changes everything. Now you could know that you'd made a difference. You could know that you had truly impacted the life of a family, of a community, of a region. There was either clean water or there wasn't. We believe in a world where every single person has clean and safe water to drink, and we will continue fighting until that happens. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for tuning in this Monday, August the 26th. We're talking today about some of the observations from our trip to Europe. Um, unfortunately, the uh, the electricity did not play well, play nice with some of our uh, production equipment, um, primarily our audio console, which is the centerpiece, the hub of our show and uh, it went up in smoke and therefore uh, kind of shut the show down for while we were in Europe. We were able to get uh, content um, and interviews through, you know, phones and, and cameras and other things, but we were not able to do the show. And uh, we've been back here a couple of weeks trying to get everything ready to, to, to relaunch with new gear and today we are kicking off uh, at a new time, 8 a.m. Eastern, uh, the the fall season of our show. And uh, we will be releasing interviews and other content later this week. Um, and in the weeks to come, we've got some changes to the show and we are excited to be sharing those. So, look, we one of the things that, that you experience when you're in Europe is the system. And it's just part of life. It is, it is part of everyday life. Um, you know, to, to walk a mile and a half, you literally walk from one league to the next. You're walking from the Premier League down to the championship. And you talk to, um, you know, employees of a club that's just been relegated. And I was curious as, as to what their mindset would be. What would their mentality be? And their mentality was was one of hope and optimism and uh, at, there at Fulham. And, and the same thing I encountered at FC Helsinger in, in Denmark. Um, Matt Barnes and, and the team there, they, 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 were, they were full of hope and confidence, uh, optimism, that they were going to get this thing um, set up in the right way, build a, a good quality roster and team, and, um, and, and pursue promotion. Um, and, and make it up to the first division with the eyes uh, set on building a sustainable project that could get them to the Superliga and stay there. And, um, and, and so, you know, you encounter these, these people and you have these conversations and you hear, you hear the, the, the talk around the club. And it's not just a direct conversation with an employee of the club, it's, it's supporters of clubs. It's in the community. Um, it's a way of life. And that way of life comes because of the system. 
It is a system built on merit. It is a system built on access, on opportunity. You can start a club in any country in Europe and you can and you can work your way to the top by winning on the field, by proving yourself on the field. And that proving of yourself on the field happens because of the decisions made off the field. It might be it might be your marketing team doing a better job of of connecting with your community building support in the community. It might be your your game day operations team who 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 feel the pressure on themselves to to provide an incredible game day experience. One that is enjoyable, one that is is uh, an experience of excellence. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to have a circus and uh, all of these, you know, distractions or other things to, to entertainment. It may just mean that the bathrooms are like five-star quality clean. It may mean that the ushers are super friendly. It, it may mean that the security is well-positioned around the stadium, that everyone feels safe. Off-the-field decisions affect what's going on the field. It, it might mean that the, the management that is making the decisions on the management on the field, the coaches on the field, maybe, they're, maybe the right decision makers are not in place and we've got to find better decision makers. But all of those elements are at work. They're at play. They're involved. It's not just one thing. It's not just sporting merit in a vacuum in terms of what's going on in the field. It's all of these other aspects. It's why these clubs feel like clubs. You, If you're a parent in America and your kids play soccer... Do you really feel like your club's a club? Do you feel like when you travel that you're a part of something bigger than yourself? Or is it just about your kids and your team? Or teams, depending on how many kids you have. Do you really feel like you are connected to the club as a whole? Are you cheering on other teams do the boys on a team or the girls on a team, are they tight? Are they close? Does it really feel like a team? Or do they just see each other at practice and at a game? When they travel to away games, are the players staying together? Are they building camaraderie? Or... Do they just see each other at the field? These are all aspects of building community. And it's the core of a club. Without it, you don't have a club. You've got to get people moving in the same direction. 
parents, players, coaches, management, leadership, from the janitors to the concession workers to the security, retail, game day operations, ticketing, sales, marketing. We're all in this together. I find that most of what we experience in American soccer is is very shallow compared to the experiences I have in Europe. And before you mistake that comment of what I, what I just said, uh, meaning, well, I mean, he's you know he's comparing uh, FC Barcelona to a you know a small club in the U.S. I mean, of course, it's a different level. No, I'm I'm talking about small clubs in Europe. I'll walk into a a club that is smaller than most of your average American youth clubs, and they'll have a little clubhouse. And there will be a 65, 70, 75-year-old man there drinking a beer and watching kids. It's community. They feel a part of something bigger than themselves. It's their club. How many clubs do you go to in the U.S.? And there's a clubhouse, like a real clubhouse. A place where the community comes and hangs out. Where the club members come and hang out. Where parents can go and socialize while their kids are out training. We're so busy, we, we, we built fields. And they're just generic fields. There's nothing to them. I mean, it's just grass. Paint some lines, throw up some goals. Those are soccer fields. It's a complex. It's not a training ground. It's not a club. It's not building community. Those are all elements that we're missing And those are byproducts of a system that does not require from your director of coaching to your president of your club, to your coaches, to your players, to give your best, to always seek improvement, to get better. Part of what happens in an open merit-based system is people feel the need to get better. They intrinsically feel that need. And it means that they're always trying to do their job to to, to get better. And they're relying on other people to do their jobs to get better. They're all pulling in the same direction. Right now in America, think about this. If your kid plays at a youth soccer club, Does your director of coaching have any responsibility based on the system 
any expectation to make sure that the entire club plays and learns and develops the game the same way. Now, each club may take that on themselves. Some clubs have, but they're few and far between. There's not a true core ethos philosophy to the way a club trains, plays, and develops players in the U.S. when you when you look at each club on an individual basis. Every now and then you'll come across a club that that wants to have their, their teams train and play and learn the game with a certain philosophy. But but by and large, it's it's really every man to himself, every woman to herself in terms of coaching. Just, you know, try to do your best. Here's generally what we want to try to do, but, you know, you're on your own. That's a byproduct of the system. That's a byproduct of of these clubs being in a system that doesn't actually require a club to produce and develop players. When a kid comes up through a club and leaves at 18 and goes to college and plays or doesn't play, they finish high school and that's it, they're done. When that's the system, clubs, they don't really have to care about development. They just have to care about keeping parents happy so that they keep paying for their kids to play. There's a life cycle to a relationship with these families in your community between a club and these families most of the time. And it's usually four or five years. Can we keep them happy for four or five years? If we're lucky, we'll get them for eight, nine, maybe 10. Instead of thinking about lifetime value, how can I make these people feel connected? build a true sense of community that lasts beyond even their playing days? How do I get them involved as referees, as coaches, as volunteers, as supporters of our first team? And right now in the American system, it's much harder to do because the system is not built to intrinsically motivate those conversations and those actions and those ideals. But it's still possible. And that's what we should be striving for in spite of our federation. Thank you for joining the show. Thanks for tuning in today. We, um, we are excited to be back and excited to start off our, our fall season today. We are going to be sharing interviews, um, videos, content that we took from Europe and um and that's all coming up um later this week starting tomorrow um it is um i'm just gonna be honest it's hard to come back to the u.s and see the game the way it's it's handled here mls all the way down i mean i was in birmingham this weekend birmingham alabama and man it's depressing and um, I don't like being depressed I really want to see this country realize its potential and the sad thing is is we could we could 
and we should. Thanks for joining the show. As always, you can learn more at DanielWorkman.com. Find me on Twitter, Instagram at Daniel Workman, Facebook.com forward slash WRKMN. Thanks for tuning in. We will see everyone tomorrow.